Hello, hi everyone. Welcome to That Niku Mum, a podcast where we share the stories of New Zealand parents who have had a baby in a neonatal unit across the country. How is everyone today? My name is Shan. I am your host. I am mum of three boys, ex-32-weeker twins, Bowen Luca, and our full-term singleton, Angus. I feel like I've said that a million times, but called an intro um today we are speaking with Erin whose third baby and first daughter Paige was born at 23 weeks and four days they spent 199 days um in the unit between two units um when they finally came home Uh, Paige came home on oxygen and with a feeding tube. She's now off the oxygen, but still has a feeding tube. Uh, She wears glasses. Um, She had to have her cataracts removed because of long-term steroid use. Um, And yeah, pretty much just went through everything that a micropremie goes through. So obviously a really hard uh, experience having your older kids at home when you're in the unit for so long but yeah I will let Erin share all of the details of everything they went through and yeah let's get into it enjoy um so my name's Erin and my husband is Clinton and we've got two boys Blake and Lachlan uh Blake just turned eight and Lachlan is six um and so we were kind of like are we done are we not done like what shall we do um and then we thought yep one more um so then 2021 it must have been got pregnant in July I think it was Mm -hmm. um and yeah, then it was just a whirlwind from there on. <laughs> so your older boys, were they full-term, easy, straightforward? Yeah, total, like, Blake was my worst one. Mm. Um, and he was, I got to 40, I think it was about 41 weeks. Um, and I went for a scan and they were like, there's no fluid, he needs to come out now. Yeah. Um, so I went to Middlemore and he was induced. Um and I was so new to, and I guess naive to everything. I didn't know that like there was an option of getting pain relief um, yeah. because my plan was to have him at Pukekohe. Um, We've got a local maternity hospital there and there there's basically gas only and that's all yeah. there is. Yeah. Um, so throughout my pregnancy, that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Pukekohe, um, have gas and, you know, away we go. Um, But yeah, so went to Middlemore and was induced. Um, They ended up having to use the suction, I think it was, to get him out. Um, And yeah, like contractions just went from zero to a thousand, just instant. Mm. Um, So yeah, but then, so I literally had him, I think he was born about two o'clock in the morning. By about seven o'clock, we were in the car heading back to Pukekohe and I stayed in Pukekohe for a couple of nights. Yeah. Um, and then came home. Um, and then Lachlan was born pretty much around due date, I think he was, and he was born at Pukekohe. Right. Um, and yeah, just like literally dream pregnancies. Just yeah. um Lachlan's was definitely harder, being I think Blake was about 
sort of 16, 17 months when lockdown yeah. was born. Yeah. Um, but yeah, otherwise, like, yeah, could not complain. <laughs> and then Paige. Yeah, yeah. And then Paige came along. <laughs> so do you want to talk us through her pregnancy? Um, obviously, it wasn't very straightforward or at least not very long. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yeah, no, not long yeah. at all. <laughs> Talk us through from when you got pregnant with her. Yeah, so um, found out we were pregnant, Um, didn't really have any symptoms, just my period was late, and I was like, oh, I wonder. Um, So yeah, found out we were pregnant, went for a couple of scans, everything was good. We got to about, must have been about 16 weeks I think it was November mm -hmm. um, and at the time I was actually working for a company doing COVID calls so I was one of those really annoying people that rung you and spoke to you about being positive and what you had to do and all those yeah, kind of things yeah um, so yeah I was working late one night um, and got up and went to the toilet and there was blood in my undies Mm -hmm. um and I was like oh my gosh like miscarriage or you know I don't know mm -hmm. um so I text my midwife and she was like sort of like don't stress like you know calm down kind of thing yeah, yeah. um and I think the next day we went for a scan um and there was a heartbeat sort of everything was all good and they found um there was like a hematoma um and so they sort of wondered if that was where the blood was coming from. Mm. Um, and so then I had a couple of hospital admissions and I was having regular scans at this time. And every time they did a scan, they measured the hematoma and the hematoma was reducing in size. Yeah. So they kind of figured that that was where the blood was coming from and it wasn't, um, you know, it was just sort of one of those things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting. Like I remember my first hospital admission, um, again, because it was during COVID times, my mum took me to ED and I had to literally, uh, this was at Middlemore Hospital and they had like an outside thing where you had to get scanned for COVID before you could go anywhere. Mm. Um, and so I was literally sitting outside and there was like someone else's blood on the ground. Like it was just horrific. Yeah. Um, and yeah, waited to get tested, got tested and then got sent up to the maternity ward. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, but I'm really um, like, I think, like I was worried, but I think because it wasn't my first pregnancy and I'd sort of heard these stories and knew that bleeding could happen, mm. um, I was kind of okay with it. Um, but yeah, so I think I had probably two admissions to, uh, to hospital um, and each time that was really hard on me because I... Um, like for the boys being at home, like I did everything, you know, like my my husband and I have our own business. Um, so his kind of focus was work and my focus was the boys. Yeah. Um, and my one was at daycare at the time and one was at school. So being in hospital and not being able to do the things that I felt was like my job was really, really difficult. Yeah. Um, and so then we got through to so that was around November all that kind of started happening 
Um, and basically I was just bleeding all the time. Like it was like having a period. Mm. Um, so I just had to wear a pad every day kind of thing. Um, and then, so like scary, like yeah, anxious time. Yeah. Bleeding. Yeah. Yeah. And like in your head, you, whilst everyone was kind of like, it's okay. Mm. You know, that bleeding isn't okay yeah it's very um, common but it's not normal is it yeah and no one could kind of like it was all sort of we think it's coming from the hematoma we think this yeah um and then because I was such a regular um with scans I got to know the lady that was doing the scans and they came back and said it was a I wrote it down a sub subchloronic hematoma Mm -hmm. um but then the lady that was doing the scan she was like look I can't say anything but this doesn't match with what they've said mm -hmm. um and so I was kind of like so is it really that are you just trying to give me an answer and shut me up kind of thing or um but yeah so we um and then it must have been the end of November beginning of December it just stopped and I had two weeks of no bleeding yeah. Um, and I was like, cool, like, you know, if it is this hematoma, the hematoma is gone, like, we're good to go, let's do the rest of this pregnancy kind of thing. Were you feeling her move during this? No, because I was like, I think I was less than 20 weeks at the time. Yeah. So there was like, no movement. And then when I was admitted, they couldn't even put me on the machine yeah. um to test like her heartbeat yeah. and stuff because she was just too little yeah. um so they'd just come along and do the doppler every so often and just literally check that she still had a heartbeat mm. um and yeah so then the third of december it was a friday um we'd gone to my friend's house we were going to have some indian takeaways for dinner um and i went to the toilet and on the way to the toilet i was like oh my gosh i'm pissing myself like yeah. what's going on um so yeah went to the toilet and I was like this is weird like I mean yes I've got bladder issues but not to that extent like I could normally control it like we've all weed ourselves a little bit right <laughs> yes. yeah yeah um and it was really funny because when I was at my friend Sarah's house um my midwife um who's actually one of my really good friends she was um she works in with a group of other midwives and she was at another midwife's house that was just kind of across the road right so she'd messaged me earlier in the day being like where are you like what are you doing I can see your car um so yeah it was really funny but anyway so I ended up ringing her and I was like hey like not really sure what's going on but I think my waters have broke mm -hmm. um and she was like okay like how many weeks were you at this point uh I was 23 uh yes so I just I was 23 in one day right right um and so she was like okay let me make some phone calls and I'll get back to you um and so then she rung me back and was like yep back to Middlemore you go mm. um so I rung my mum to come and get me because Every time I'd gone to hospital, I hadn't, and looking back, it was the wrong thing to do. But at the time I felt it was the right thing. But I, every time I left to go to hospital, I just left. I didn't tell the boys that I was going or where I was going. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I called my mum. My mum came to pick me up. Clinton stayed behind and ended up getting the Indian dinner. <laughs> um, 
And so what else are you going to do, I guess? I know, exactly. Um, so checked, went up to maternity ward and one of my good friends, her sister is a midwife and she was actually on the ward that night. Yeah. Um, so that was really good. Uh, and then ended up, uh, there was a, a female doctor on, well, I guess midwife on the wards that night and she came in. And I remember so vividly, she handed me a piece of paper and on the piece of paper, it had survival rates from 23 weeks through to, I think it was maybe like 30 odd weeks. Mm. Um, and I remember just sitting there looking at this piece of paper. Sorry, I just took a photo of it. So it said like the survival rate at Middlemore Hospital was 33% oh God. for a 23 weeker. And I just remember sitting there thinking, why the fuck have you given me this piece of paper? Yeah. Like, yeah. what? And then it talked about, and then the next step was um, the impairment. And so it was like um, mild, moderate and severe um, impairments or moderate and severe impairments. Yeah. And I, I just, yeah, I still remember thinking like, why? Like this piece of paper isn't going to change anything that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and they just they're so blase about it like yeah they're just like, yeah. Here's the facts. and you're like yeah but this is my baby this is me yes we're not just facts you know we're not statistics no I, I get it. they're doing their job they just get they have to give you the yeah but man yeah just yeah empathy yeah and you know like no matter what happens like what is that piece of paper gonna do nothing you know like I don't know yeah even now I'm like just not <laughs> um but yeah so I was in the maternity ward and I remember my friend's sister made us because we hadn't had dinner or anything she made us a cheese toasted sandwich it was the best cheese toasted sandwich <laughs> of my life <laughs> um and then eventually I was transferred back to the ward I think it was like four o'clock in the morning or something like it was just crazy um yeah transferred through to the ward um and then basically when I got to the ward they said like you're here till the end now and I was like no I'm not like <laughs> there's no way I'm staying because yeah I was only 23 weeks and in my head I was going to make it to 40 and yeah you know like and I was like I can't stay away from the boys that long like I've got a business you know all these sort of things um but yeah so was on the ward and then the bleeding had come back um but it was just kind of the same at what as what it was um and every day well I think maybe like twice a day they would come in with the Doppler I think it was called and just check the heartbeat and those kind of things mm. Um, and oh sorry when I was in when I was back on the assessment side uh, there was a female um, midwife I guess and we talked about the steroid injections mm -hmm. um, and at this stage I think it was around about mm, like just before midnight and she said to me um, like you need to have these steroid injections she said, but there's really no difference between you starting them now or starting them tomorrow. So you may as well just start them tomorrow and then we can go from there. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, I didn't know what these steroid yeah. injections yeah. were, or what they were going to do, you know, all these things. Um, and then, so she finished for the night and then another doctor had come on and he came into the room and he was like, you need these steroids. And I was like, yeah, yeah, just spoke to that lady about them. We're going to start them tomorrow. Like, no point starting them now. And he's like, no, why wait, do them now. 
And mm. I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, started my first steroid dose then and there. And thankfully I did because by the time Paige was born, it meant that I was steroid complete. Whereas if I had have waited until the next day, I wouldn't have been steroid complete. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then moved to the ward. Um, yeah, bleeding came back, just kind of, um, it was what it always had been kind of thing. Um, and then Monday morning, I was having a scan. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, Monday morning was having a scan and the guy came in with a wheelchair to take me down. And I was like, no, nah, mate, I'm all good. Like I can walk down. Uh, so walked down, had my scan. Uh, the guy measured um, the baby. At this point, we didn't know what we were having. Right. Um, oh, and before I went for my scan, they said to me, do you know what you're having? And I said, no, I don't. We don't want to find out. Um, and they said, oh, we would prefer if you did find out because girls have better survival rates than boys. Mm -hmm. And I was like, nah, I've come this far. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. Again, but... what's that going to change? Exactly. You can't change the sex of the baby. Exactly. And I said to them, does it change your plan? And they were like, no. And I was like, well, why? Yeah. That's so, the and I think you're getting to control in this situation is having yes. a surprise gender. Yes, yeah, and so I was really glad that I stuck with that because, mm. I don't know, I feel like when a medical professional kind of says, oh, you know, we'd like to know, you're sort of inclined to be like, oh, yeah, okay, like, whatever you say. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, once he was like, it doesn't change anything, I was like, well, there you go, like, yeah, yeah. what's what's the point? Mm. Um. So, yeah, went for a scan and the guy measured her being 610 grams and I remember specifically saying to him, like, what's the chances of you being wrong um and he said no um if anything we underestimate um so chances are sh the baby will weigh more than the 610 mm. and I was like okay cool um and so then went back up to the ward and by this time they had said to me that because I was 23 weeks because she was 610 grams and because I'd had the steroid injections whatever happened she was considered a viable pregnancy um so I was like okay whatever like you know she's not coming so all yeah, good what does it matter yeah yeah um and so then Monday afternoon the bleeding started again um massively like I was like double pad and a blue you know the good old blueies yeah. um yeah so I was rocking them um and had called the midwives in a couple of times just to like, I was taking, I've still got them on my phone. I must delete them. Um, but I was taking photos of my pad, like every time I changed them just yeah. so that they could see like what was happening. Yeah. Um, and then it was about four o'clock. I think it must've been. And Clinton had rung me because he was leaving work to go pick up the boys from my mum's house. Mm -hmm. um, and so he rung me. And I'd sort of said to him, like, the bleeding had um, come back again. And he rung me to see what was happening. And at this point, they said they were going to move me downstairs just to monitor me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was on the phone to him and a lady came in to put, like, an IV line in my arm. And um, I was on the phone to him and I was like, look, they're just going to monitor me. There's no point in coming. Just go home and be with the boys and I'll let you know if anything changes. Mm -hmm. And then hung up and then she was like, oh, was that your husband? I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, is he going to come? I was like, no, nah, I told him not to. Like, there's no point. Um, and she was like, oh, you know, maybe you should. Like, it might just be nice for you to have someone to talk to because it's pretty lonely down there. Like, mm -hmm. rah, rah, rah. And like, they were totally, like, I feel like 
at that point, I mean, stupidly me looking back, they were putting an IV line in, like something was going to happen. But at that point, I was just kind of like, oh, you know, like, la-di-da. And they were... Yeah, and they were real good at, like, just keeping the whole thing, like, yeah, under control and calm. And um, so, yeah, so I rung him back, and I was like, hey, this nurse just put an IV line in. She reckons you should come, like, whatever, it's up to you. Mm. And um, he was like, oh, I'm literally, like, at the motorway on ramp, so I'll just hop on and come. And I was like, okay. Uh, So they wheeled me downstairs. And from the time I got, was like upstairs to the time we got downstairs, I'd like completely soaked through this pad um, and they were weighing the pads and they'd gone from like 600 grams to 800 grams. Like they were just increasing. Mm. Um, and then again, I was still like, I wonder what's going to happen. And they're like, where's your husband? I'm like, chill out. Like I rung him, like he's a good 45 <laughs> minutes away. Like, what do you want about? Um and then they were like, okay, we need to ring him. And I'm like, he's on his way. Like, leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. He can't answer the phone while he's driving. That's yeah. irresponsible. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, and I still remember this and it just cracks me up. But so he, so we're vehicle dismantlers. So he comes home filthy. Like yeah. there's nothing clean about him. Yeah. And he walked into the room and all, like everyone in the room was like, oh, <laughs> And then this one lady's like, get him some scrubs. <laughs> so he's like putting on this gown, like, oh, it was just, and I'm like, why? Like, what's the rush? Like, yeah. chill out. Um, yeah, so then got wheeled into, um, I guess, the operating theater. And um, yeah, they were like, we need to get this baby out. And I was like, okay. <laughs> They didn't pre-warn you at all in that whole lead up. I don't remember. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, just may freak you out, I guess. Yeah, and I was honestly so just like, there's heaps of blood coming out, but no one really seems to like not care. But you know, like everyone's here, like we're all good, whatever. Um. So yeah. So then went into. To have a had a classical C-section, um, had an epidural, which was amazing. <laughs> Hadn't had one of them before. Um, and this was about, I think it was around 5:30. I think Paige was born about like five, oh, it must have been just before five or so. And I think she was born about 5:35. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just laying on the bed and I don't know if it's like the epidural or what but my teeth were just like chattering and I was like freezing cold like I couldn't I don't know it was really weird yeah um and then they had kind of like your arms like strapped to the bed so you're literally kind of lying there like that um and so they got Paige out and then um they took her where I was there was kind of another room just to the side that obviously had all the recess stuff yeah um and they basically took her straight away. We didn't know what she was. Um, and they took her straight away into this other room. And we, where I was lying, if I turned my head, I could just see probably like, I don't know, it felt like heaps of people, like probably at least six people around her. Yeah. Um, and they were just like on her. Um, and I think at some point, some or Clinton might have said like, what is it kind of thing. Um, and yeah at some point someone was like it's a girl Um, 
and then they were still like in this room busy and then all of a sudden they shut the doors to this room so we couldn't see anymore um and sorry um I just remember like breaking down just thinking like that's it she's gone um and then they came in and they were like it's fine like we've got to they couldn't get the breathing tube down it um and so yeah they came in and they're like now nah, she's breathing um so yeah so Clinton went with her to NICU um and I went to recovery um and then I think it must have been about 7 30 or so I came out of recovery and then they wheeled me into NICU um which at Middlemore the NICU was quite a big space um so you can go in like your bed um so yeah they just wheeled me up next to her um and yeah that's kind of probably the start of our NICU um my midwife was there um she had arrived which again because she's a good friend of mine I think she came obviously knowing like what we were kind of gonna um you know like what the next part was going to be um but I just remember thinking oh that's cool Amy's here like that's nice of her <laughs> um but yeah when so you was... were in the hospital those like four days did anyone from NICU come and talk to you yeah uh, the I think it was the first time I was admitted someone from NICU came and spoke to us um but and she sort of said like normally they would take us like just show us around and stuff but because of COVID you weren't allowed to do that mm. um and again I I don't think like I think looking back I was so naive in the fact that I just thought I was going to go to 40 weeks and like from the outset when I found out I was pregnant with Paige I wanted to either birth her at Pukekohe or potentially do a home birth mm. um and so I was so set in my it's definitely going to be Pukki maybe a home birth um that I don't think I thought about yeah. anything else outside of that um yeah. so yeah when this lady came up I was just like oh yeah yeah I've seen a couple Whatever. of movies like yeah I've seen incubators on a movie we're all good mm. um but yeah definitely was not prepared no. and how was it when you finally got to go and meet her yeah it was like I think again looking back I actually Clinton and I were talking about like me doing this with you the other day and I said to him like through our whole journey up until a point I don't I always assumed that she was going to come home with us like I never thought that there was another option like I was just like we've got to do our time we've got to get to our due date then we'll come home like that's it, everything that's going to happen. So during those kind of initial stages of being at NICU, I think I was just so, I don't know, like, I don't know. I just, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think I truly understood what, what it was. And like, I remember we would have um, like family meetings, which I soon learned weren't like a, hey, let's just have a catch up. Mm. <laughs> um, and, you know, they would constantly talk about her being sick and being unwell. And I'm like, she's none of these things. She was just born early. 
Um, yeah. But looking back, I'm like, actually, yeah, you you did know what you were talking about. Yeah, you know, the medical professional, what do they know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just a small baby. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm sorry. So when she was born, she was 535 grams. Yeah. Um, so she was substantially less than the 610 that they told me she would be. When um, they had told you about her being viable, what was the weight that they needed her to be? 600 grams right so if they had measured her accurately they would have wow. yeah but then I'm like within that and it's only something that I've thought about now but what happens like yeah. you know like if they measured her as being 535 we were 23 and I'd had my steroid shots like what do they just deliver and then yeah. you know like, I, yeah yeah I don't know mm. it's weird to think because you know 24 weeks was always what you considered to be viability mm. to even like deliver and save save mm. a 23 weeker is quite incredible but yeah, yeah. and yeah. even like since having page like I've kind of been searching Facebook trying to see like if there's any like NICU pages or you know anything like that um for like the really prem babies mm-hmm. um and there's a big push and I think it's America for 22 weekers and I'm like oh my gosh like I actually think I have seen in the New Zealand NICU group there was a 22-weeker. It was 22 and something. Ah. And he, it was a boy and he was born not long after my twins, I think. Oh, yeah. I'm sure I've seen a 22-weeker and I was like, that's that's incredible. Like 22 weeks, you're hardly pregnant. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah, he was, his name's Caden. Ah, actually I think now that you say that yeah I do recall he was bought he was bigger bigger than oh. Paige 565 grams oh my gosh crazy mm. I wonder if she was handed the piece of paper where 22 weeks aren't even on there <laughs> outrageous anyway so how how was Paige after birth like how was she yeah, she was fine. Um, she kind of did everything that they expected of her. Um, she, yeah, she was on the ventilator. We got to, so she was born on the 6th of December. Uh, and we got, I got to hold her for the That's first time. <laughs> what was that? Sorry. It's my nephew's birthday. Ah, there you go. Was it 2021? Yes. Yeah, that's Bodhi's birthday too. Ah. Um, so yeah, so she yeah, sort of did everything that um was expected. Um, obviously her lungs were a real concern for them, but they were kind of prepared for that. Um I got to hold her for the first time on the 20th of December. And then my husband got to hold her on the 21st because mm-hmm. um, we had to wait. She had the lines in her belly button, so we had to wait for them to come out um, before we could hold her. But, yeah, and then around, I think when she was around 10 days old, that's when her, like, the effects of her lungs started to become sort of more and more known, um, and they called me, and said well I remember first of all before that 
we had our first family meeting and they said that normally what happens is they try and get the baby to, I think it was two weeks, two or three weeks, and then they'll start a steroid course for the baby. Mm -hmm. um, and if they have to start it sooner, that's fine, but it's not ideal. Um, and so then a couple of days later, they called me and said, we're going to have to start the steroid course because I think at the time she was just sitting on 100%. Mm -hmm. um, and I just remember thinking like, uh, here we go. Like this is, you know, this was the not ideal situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she started her first steroid course um, and then we had Christmas in hospital, which was really horrible and hard. Um, but it was like, it was special at the same time. Like um, they, I remember when we went in on Christmas morning and there was like bags of gifts and like all this kind of thing. Like it was really cool, but it was just. Were your older boys allowed in? No, no. Which again is really hard. And especially at Middlemore, they've got like down their corridors, there's heaps of posters on pre like ex NICU babies and their journeys. Yeah. And obviously, because it was before COVID time and all the photos, there's like siblings or Nana and Granddad or like yeah. all these people. And I just remember like I used to love reading them because it gave me hope. But at the same time, I was like, fuck you, I want my boys here. Like, yeah 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 and especially for them like I found it really hard trying to explain that you have a sister yeah. you're not going to see her until like she was due the 31st of March so yeah. in my head they weren't going to be meeting her until April because we were going to come home on the 31st of March yeah um so yeah that was yeah that was really hard yeah because I know I don't know about other units but in Waikato siblings under five obviously not in COVID times siblings under five aren't allowed but over five are allowed mm. on the unit as like one of the visitors um so it just sucks because potentially they could have been able to be there if it wasn't for stupid COVID I know I know yeah no that was yeah that was really shit <laughs> yeah but how else was the rest of her kind of journey yeah, so yeah, started the steroids course and then um so because I'd had a C section, I couldn't drive and we live like a good kind of 45 minutes away from Middlemore. Mm -hmm. Um and I think because she was so early, um, and obviously chances of survival were um like wasn't great, um, I was able to stay on the ward. Yeah. Um they've got like a I think there's two or maybe three like family rooms and you can stay there and you're right at NICU. Yeah. Um, so for a lot of the time I stayed there and then Clinton would come pick me up on like a Friday night and then we'd go home so I could spend the weekend with the boys and then he'd go in over the weekends and then he'd drop me back Sunday night and then I'd stay again until Friday kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was really like that was amazing during that time um we had a guy working for us we've only got a small company um but there was a guy working for us and he handed in his notice which like I totally like he did the right thing for him but I just remember at the time being like are you kidding me like and because it just meant that Clinton couldn't be there with me because at Middlemore you were allowed two parents bedside yeah. um so yeah that was really unfortunate but anyway that was fine um and then on New Year's 
day Clinton had been in to see her, I think she might have been on CPAP at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so about, sorry, I've written, but yeah, about the um, 19th of December, we went to CPAP actually yeah. and then that would have tied in with me having the first hold on the 20th yeah. um and then yeah Clinton on the 21st um so yeah first of January Clinton had been in to see her that day she was doing really well um and then that night I was pumping because I was on my three-hour pumping buzz yeah um so it was about six Enjoy. o'clock yeah six o'clock at night got a phone call saying things aren't good you need to come in now Right. And we were like, what the fuck? Like Clinton was just there, like she yeah. was fine. Yeah. Um, so my mum came and picked up the boys. We went in to hospital um, and her tummy was just like extended. It was really hard. Her breathing had skyrocketed, like gone back up to a hundred again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd put they'd ventilated her again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were like, She needs surgery, we're gonna have to like operate on her and I'm like yeah yeah okay and they're like an ambulance is coming I'm like why like just wheel her down the hallway like what are you on about they're like no we don't operate here you're going to Auckland I was like what um so Paige and I went in an ambulance to Auckland Clinton followed behind um and yeah we went and at this stage like I reckon she would have been we didn't have a wait because she was just so like from when she was born up until that first of January you like we weren't allowed to really touch her we weren't allowed to do all these things so things like weighing weren't done because you couldn't yeah um but I reckon she would have been like 600 grams maybe like she was still tiny um and so we met with the surgeon and I just remember the whole time I was staring at his hands and I was like you have massive hands like how are you gonna operate on my girl yeah like what is going on um and yeah, she was so unwell that they operated on the ward. So they bring everything up to her. Um, and yeah, so she had her first surgery, must have been about 10, 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, and what had happened was her bowels had twisted, which apparently is really common. So they just untwisted it and sewed her back up effectively. Mm. Um, and so then, so we stayed that night. And then, so at Auckland, you're only allowed one parent bedside. Um, and that was really hard. The first day they let, so on this, must have been the 2nd of January, they let Clinton and I both be there, um, I think because they weren't really sure of what the outcome was going to be. And so then I ended up going home. I must have driven. I don't remember, but I must have driven. Um, so yeah, ended up going home and Clinton was gonna was staying up there and he called me about 5.30 and he was like, they're operating again, like things aren't good. And I was like, okay, he's like, do you want to come up? Um, if you want to come up, you can, but you're going to miss it. Like they're taking her now. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Like I'll stay here with the boys. You just kind of deal with that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, the same surgeon came along and operated and they removed like, I think it was 45 centimeters of her intestine or something like it was a massive amount yeah Um, I think it was you you have about a meter and yeah they took about 45 percent because it had all died from the bowels twisting yeah um and then she ended up 
after that surgery, she ended up with a stoma. Um, it doesn't and, seem like doable to have 45 centimeters in this tiny baby. I know. I'm like, she was oh literally like, yeah, like she was probably the length of my hand. Like, yeah. my twins were born at 38 and 39 centimeters at 32 weeks. So at 23 weeks, she would have been, yeah, 20 centimeters. Yeah. Where does it all go? Yeah. I'm like that and actually going back um to the delivery um and Clinton being fil filthy, one yeah. of the first photos we have is his hand on top of Paige. Um and just like his hand is just disgusting. And I'm like, you get another touch to her. <laughs> but yeah. Um so yeah, and like for her to have so effectively she had two surgeries within 24 hours, because one yeah. was at like 10 o'clock at night, the other was at like 5 30. Yeah. Um recovery after the surgeries was really long and slow um she had oh just she would like they'd be like oh you know normally two days they'll come off the ventilator go back on CPAP we didn't do any of that we stayed on the ventilator for ages um she had morphine withdrawals it was just yeah we was, were at Auckland the whole time after her surgery yeah yeah. So yeah. So we were Middlemore from the sixth of December until the first of January, and then transferred to Auckland. So we were at Auckland um, until June, third of June, I think it was. Right. Um, but yeah. So she had those two surgeries, and then she started doing well. We had a couple of problems with her feeding. Um, so I was still pumping. I pumped up until day one hundred. Um, and then on day 100, I, my boys had um, dairy issues and they were on like Pepti Junior or Neocate um, when they were babies. And so I've always struggled with the fact that Paige would somehow just be okay when they weren't and given like her prematurity and all those kind of things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, day 100, I remember coming into Niku and they'd done this big banner up and it was like 100 days. And I was like, that's nothing to celebrate. Like, I know. Like, I get what they're trying to do, but at the same yeah. time, you're like, we've been here for so fucking long. Yes. I yeah, know yeah, yeah. we're going to be here for. Yeah. And, like, during that time, so Auckland's got different levels. Um, So we were in room seven from the start. And then for our 100 days, we'd moved down a level and we were in another room. I think it might have been 13. Mm -hmm. Um. And I'm like, and but everyone else that was kind of born around us was like down the skaboo end or, you know, like or rooming in or all these kind of things. Um, but yeah, so she, they put her on Pepti Junior and she was doing really well, but they were measuring her output with the stoma. Mm -hmm. And then uh, the surgeon decided that she needed to be on Neocate and then it just really affected her. She ended up getting really, really bad nappy rash. Mm. Um, and her output was just increasing, increasing, increasing. Um, and so then they started refeeding her. Lachlan, turn it down. Sorry. Um, they started refeeding what was coming out of the stoma back into her. Mm. Um so yeah, that was crazy because they were putting in like 200 mils, but they were getting like 300 out. Like it was just mm. massive. Mm. Um, so end of February, they decided that they were going to put the stomas back together. I forget what it's called um, because her output was just increasing way too much and it wasn't really um, 
and anything they were giving her was just coming straight out it wasn't like absorbing or anything like that yeah uh so end of February they put her back together it was a Thursday um and I was waiting down with her for her to go through the surgery and I got a phone call uh, Lachlan was at daycare at the time I got a phone call to say that he'd spewed and needed to be picked up and I was like I'm kind of busy like anyway so my sister went and picked him up for me um and so yeah that went, went well went back to see her the Friday and so when we were at Auckland I would go Monday to Friday and then Clinton would go for the weekends mm-hmm. um so yeah went back on Friday Clinton went over the weekends and then Monday I went to go back and you had to rat test before you went in um yeah. and so I did a rat test and I remember um, one of the mums that I met in there um she was sitting next to me and this lady came over to another mum and she was like oh are you Erin you can't go in you're positive and the lady's like I'm not Erin and I was like fuck sucks to be Erin <laughs> and then she's like oh who's Erin and I'm like oh that's me that's me hi um so yeah so found out I was I had COVID yeah um and I just remember like having to get back in the lift go back down to the um bottom floor like walking to my car I somehow rung daycare and told daycare I needed to pick up Lachlan I rung school to pick up um Blake um and yeah at that stage it was 10 days isolation yeah um and then on the day that we got out they dropped it to seven I was like of course course. thank you um so yeah that was that was horrible that was a really really hard time especially because she just had the surgery and like based on the other two surgeries she doesn't recover well um so yeah that was really horrible but the upside of it was that my mum got to go in um so mum got to meet her for the first time and all those kind of things which was really cool and I think also like it was really good because I think it sort of made mum realize what it's like and what it is yeah because I feel like until you're in there and until you see it you don't know yeah you know you don't know all these things yeah um and when we were at Middlemore they'd done brain scans and they said that she had a grade four and a grade two Mm mm-hmm um, so that was always kind of on the radar as well. And then when we were away with COVID, they did a scan. Um, and then they rung and said, like, it's gone or, I don't know, it was whatever, it sorted itself out and she was yeah. totally clear. Um, so that was one good piece of news that came away. Um, but, yeah, looking back now, I actually think in hindsight, like, us having COVID probably was a good thing um, because it forced us to just stop and slow down yeah yeah um because yeah it was just we would have been yeah it would have been like three months Mm. December January yeah about three months that we'd sort of just been going like we were just like my day was kind of leave home drop Lachlan off drop Blake off and just get on the motorway when we're at Auckland it would take me like an hour and a half hour 45 to get up there um so I would literally like get up there pump hold her if I could um put her back pump get in the car come home pick up the boys and yeah yeah, so it was just a really good forced break um so yeah so that was March beginning of March and then so she 
had she we must have been back in room seven we must have come back oh I think after the surgery we moved back um and actually when we were in when I was away with COVID um there was another lady in our room that had come from Middlemore mm-hmm. and she had a really similar story to us um and her beautiful girl Lou May um and while we were away with COVID and mum was there Lou May passed away Mm. um and I think that point made me realize like that this isn't guaranteed yeah um and it was I just remember ringing mum because mum used to go up and FaceTime me so that we could see her and talk to her and whatever and I just remember mum saying like we can't FaceTime today and I'm like why not like what's going on and then she told me and I was like no like because we'd got to know the parents like because in um Auckland it's you're in a shared room normally just with one other um well in the I think it's level three or is it level one I can't remember but anyway it was yeah just one other so we got to know them and you know like it was just yeah so coming back after COVID walking back into the room with the empty bed space it was just it was really really hard heart-wrenching yeah yeah um, but yeah, that was probably the point in time when I, yeah, as I said, I realized that nothing was guaranteed and we didn't know if or when we would be coming home. Yeah. Yeah. Be awful, eh? Yeah, yeah. And then um, after that, there was probably about three other babies maybe within the space of like a couple of months that just didn't come back kind of thing and it yeah I just it um, yeah it makes me really really appreciate everything even like even as hard as it was and everything that was thrown at us it, yeah just so grateful that in the scheme of things we are incredibly lucky that our babies get to come home to us yes. and that they have no ongoing you know really severe issues because it's just just the fact that some people don't get to bring their babies home is just horrific it's absolutely yeah yeah yeah, definitely yeah um so yeah Paige so we were at Auckland until the 3rd of June Mm -hmm. um and originally we had an amazing liaison nurse and she had pushed that we go home from Auckland. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Middlemore or I don't know, someone decided that we couldn't um, because of the equipment and everything that Paige would be coming home with. Um, we had to go back to Middlemore before we could come home. It was like a middle. Like yeah, a yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so 3rd of June, we left Auckland, um, and that was really hard because as much as I didn't like being in Auckland, I'd got used to it, and we knew, like, we would ring up every night, and, you know, Shannon would answer the phone, and we knew exactly who Shannon was, and, um, you know, you just, and I knew where anything that I needed was, or, you know, like, you, it just became home. Yeah. Um, so yeah leaving was really really hard Um, and then coming back to Middlemore originally they put us in Niku so when I came back through I had to walk past 
the space that we had left mm-hmm. um and there was a mum sitting there with her baby and I just absolutely broke down and lost it like just seeing her sitting there it put me like it was like I was looking at myself oh that sounds really weird but yeah like just just being back in that space right um, at the beginning of your journey yeah 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 um yeah and so and where they put us we were right by the door and I I just my whole being back at Middlemore it was just really hard like we she was on Evo with periods of high flow and no one really knew an Evo machine or how to use it um and so I felt like really all I was doing was teaching everyone this machine yeah um and um and yeah so they put us right by the door and I was like is anyone even watching her like you know we're just yeah anyway so then they moved us through to Skaboo and put us in our own room because they oh yeah there you go um because they had intended that well they assumed without even talking to us that we were going to stay every night Mm. um and I was like no, no we're not doing that hello <laughs> we're talking about you um but yeah and so then even then like being in our own room like it was really cool but I'm like when I'm not here like when she's crying is anyone coming or yeah. you know like what's going on so yeah anyway we transferred back on the 3rd of June and then on the 23rd of June uh we got to come home um, and sorry, back in Auckland, um, on Mother's Day, um, I think Auckland was just sick of me crying so much. Um, and I, I was like, I just want the boys to meet their sister. Like, yeah. you know, she's been here since December. They've never met her. They don't understand, like, all these things. Yeah. Anyway, and so one day on ward rounds, we happened to have, like, the head of Niku, I think she was. And she was like, well, bring them in. And I was like, really? She was like, Yeah. And so Mother's Day was a couple of weekends away. And I was like, okay, Mother's Day, we're bringing them in. Um, so, yeah, the boys got to meet her on Mother's Day. Um, so yeah, which was really, really cool. Um, but, yeah, other than that, sorry. Um, but, yeah, so transferred back to um, Middlemore. And then, yeah, 23rd of June, um, we got to come home with all the things. And, <laughs> yeah, so she was on feeding tube um, with compressed feed. So I think she had maybe, like, four hours of a day with no feed and the rest of the time was compressed. Yeah. Um, she was on Evo and then low-flow Um think we did maybe like two two hours a day of low flow and then yeah the rest of the time was on evo um and she was also by this point in time she was also on her fifth um dart course mm-hmm. um and this one was just like a really slow weaning one mm-hmm. so yeah what was it like when her because obviously you came home quite a lot after her due date what was it like when her due date sort of came and went and you were no closer to home yeah it was it was incredibly hard I think the hardest thing was like our friends saying like 
everyone who knew our story, who knew us would say, when's she coming home? And yeah. it was like an innocent question. Yeah. But it was a question that like every time someone said it, it just broke my heart. Cause I was like, I don't fucking know. Like yeah. I literally, I, I don't know. I want her home now. And yeah. I don't know. And it wasn't like we even had milestones of like, if she does this, she can go home. Like it was just, there was nothing. And it was just, uh, we don't know. Um, we don't know when, when she will be coming home. So yeah, finally bringing her home. It was, yeah, it was amazing. But then it was also scary because it was like COVID times. So it was like no visitors, like... Yeah, it was just really, it was awesome, but hard at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I can only imagine. And she's, you know, she's still so fragile. Like, yes. she's on feeding tubes, she's on, like, quite intense oxygen, she's tiny. Yeah, and that was the other thing, like, because we live rural, rurally, oh, um, and so we have power cuts all the time, and I'm like, I can't, we can't have power cuts, like, mm. so we had to go and buy a generator, um, and I kind of thought that there might be like funding or like something to help, um, but nope. So we, and I mean, we did go probably extreme, like we probably didn't need to go as extreme if we went. Um, but I was like, we like, we literally can't have no power. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we had a generator that like lived outside her room just in case. Um, and then I remember the first night we had a power cut and um my husband had been using it and he hadn't put it back outside her room. So at like midnight, I'm like, get your fucking generator. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that was, that was a mad panic. I mean, luckily she was on high flow. Um, and so we kind of had this plan of like, if it happens, we'd just put her into high flow um, until we sort of sorted everything out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, yeah panic but how was she after coming home like obviously she was still on the oxygen and everything but other than that yeah no she was good and probably in all honesty coming home is when she really started to progress and yeah. um Quite often yeah 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 so we like weaned down on her milk so it wasn't um you know we had more hours off milk um mm -hmm. we increased her low flow so that there was less time on the evo um just all these things over a space of time she just um yeah she just really improved and yeah. did so well yeah how many days total was she in the NICU uh 199 yeah, we I was like, I'm not doing 200. I am not <laughs> I can doing it. Yeah, it was quite funny. Nah. Like the yeah, yeah, and like technically we could have come home on 198, but yeah. um, stupid. Like after wanting her home for so long, but one of the boys had a school trip. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. Looking back, it is stupid, but I just felt like I should. That's a third I, baby thing, though. Like they just got to fit in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I knew when she came home, I wouldn't be able to do school trips because there was yeah. no one to look after her. Yeah. Um. So my mum went to hospital that day. Um. Because when we were in Auckland, we had the most amazing liaison nurse. And so after COVID, and because we were there for so long, um, mum was allowed to go in every now and then to give me a break. Yeah. Um, which was amazing. 
So I think mum was going in like once a week maybe for me. Um, yeah. And so then when we went to Auckland, I was like, oh yeah, by the way, like my mum comes in once a week. Like I just kind of went in and I was like, this is how it's going to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so mum went in for, and because we were coming home with so many, um, so much medical stuff, they had allowed mum to come and like learn the yeah. things as well. Um, so yeah, so mum went in on day 198 and I went on my school trip um and then yeah 199 we came home so yeah 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 and I remember like being at Auckland because I'm so nosy and they had like this sheet of paper with all the babies that were admitted and their date of births yeah I remember every like whenever I could I would always have a glance at it and we were always the oldest by far like yeah yeah, Yeah. one of my friends that I met in Niku who like saved my sanity massively um, we always used to joke that Paige thought it was Hotel Niku, and so she didn't want to go anywhere because she was happy just to be at Hotel Niku. Yeah. But yeah. Like constant attention and everyone's like fussing over her. Yeah, yeah. And because like when we were in Auckland, for the majority of it, we were in the two baby room. Yeah. Um, whereas like when you go down a bit, there'll be four babies in the room. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for so long, she had one nurse with her yeah, and another yeah. baby. So yeah, we were. Well, I don't want to come home to those stinky boys where they have yeah, to like. Exactly. Share, share mum. Yeah, yeah. So no, we were we were well known around Niku. <laughs> well, you should be after 199 days. Crikey. Exactly, exactly. Um, Obviously, a big struggle, um, you know, like juggling the boys and Nico and everything. So incredible that you made it through that and you haven't, well, not that I know of, had an incredible mental breakdown. <laughs> oh, no, there's there's been moments. There's definitely been times. Actually, yeah. that's one thing that I find really, really interesting about the whole Nico journey. And I think everyone is sort of the same. But I remember when I was in when she was in Auckland and I used to have the social worker come around to me and she'd, you know, say, how are you? You know, all these things. And at the time I was like, I'm here to see Paige. I'm here to hold Paige or I'm here to pump or, you know, like I don't have time to talk to you about me. Like, no, I'm not coping, but I don't have time. Like, and um, so, yeah, then I remember one day she gave me some sleeping pills, which was the best thing ever. Um, But it wasn't until I came home and probably like a good like six months into being home that I was like actually I need help like but there was nothing there was nothing available um I remember asking because we came home obviously with a community nurse I remember asking her she was like you don't fit criteria um I was like how messed up do you have to be because like I went um when we came home um a couple of my friends had babies and so like normally before Paige like I would have been there and I would have gone and seen them and you know done all those things but I remember just breaking down to Clinton one day and saying like I don't want to see them because they've got everything that I wanted um which is really like that's not the way to look at it but that was where my head was um and like they were breastfeeding um you know they got to have like their baby was born and they got to cuddle their baby straight away um they didn't have to ask to hold their baby they could hold the baby whenever they wanted um you know all and so that was a really really hard time um 
and yeah, I remember Clinton being like, you just need to go. And I was like, I can't, like, I, I cannot. Mm. Um, Especially you've had two babies before, you know, you knew what you were missing out on. Yes. You knew yes. what you had. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that I really struggle with is that I feel, and this is so silly to say, but I feel ripped off. Like I feel like what, like Paige's journey was nothing that I wanted. Um, and I mean, no one wants a NICU journey, but you know, like I wanted my home birth or I wanted to at least birth at Pookie. We were going to breastfeed, like she was going to be my last. Um, and so the boys I'd only breastfeed till about six or eight months. And then they had dairy issues. Mm. Um, and, you know, like I decided in my head that I really wanted to have a really good go at breastfeeding. And I, yeah. you know, wanted to like make the most of it. And then all those options were just taken away from me um because I couldn't yeah yeah no I totally get it and for me it was like it it wasn't stupid stuff but in the scheme of things it's stupid stuff things like um you know taking a nice announcement photo yes, of the baby. yes. I, I got to do that with Angus my third but for the twins their announcement photos they've got CPAP masks on yes picking their going home outfit or their first outfit didn't get to do that um yeah you know my waters broke at my baby shower so I didn't get to take like my two best friends were like pregnant at the same time didn't get to take those like beautiful photos with my besties of us with the little yeah. stupid shit that yes. in the scheme of things does not matter yeah. but when you don't get it it's the yes. most important thing in the world yeah like maternity shot I didn't have it with the boys and I decided I wanted to have it with Paige like you know yeah just all these things that I yeah which yeah like the fact that she was your your first daughter after two boys and you miss out on that like special girl girl bonding yes you don't get to experience what you got to do with the boys of having this like newborn daughter putting those stupid bows on her head yes yeah 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 Yeah, no and yeah just yeah and like you know the boys like when I came home with the boys like it was a really hard time and they were both shit sleepers yeah. But I remember looking back and thinking, like, I would give anything to have her home and being a sleeper. Like, just, but, yeah. But in saying that, like, yeah, like, the people that you meet and those sorts of things, like, they, yeah, they just get you through it. I remember one um, one of my friends that I met, um, Jackie, she was in hospital with her second pram. Um, and so she was just like having her to talk to and just like she knew exactly what I was going through what I was thinking what I was feeling like all these things um yeah I just wouldn't have been able to do it without her I think definitely finding someone that's in the almost exact same situation the difference like I I had a group there was like a group of um, they obviously all had prem babies but one of them had twins as well so oh, like yes. while everyone got it she just got it more because we yep. were in the exact same boat her twins were a bit earlier than mine but like you, you know we got it so you could have met someone that had a 30 weeker but it was just not the same as meeting someone else that had a, a micro prem yes. so like, and, and that it. was the yeah like I used to um like you know because again I'm nosy so you'd listen into conversations or you know and there'd be people walking like I remember at Skaboo in Middlemore there was this mum walking 
and talking to another mum and she's like oh how long have you been here now for and one of them was like oh 40 something days and she's like oh I don't know how you do it and I'm like bitch like I'm 190 whatever like you know but again like that's their journey and that's their hard but it was just yeah or like reading the NICU page which I absolutely loved yeah. but then you'd have people been in NICU for you know like a small amount of time and it was like oh like I'll, I'll swap yeah yeah <laughs> and then you know like and you know you shouldn't be thinking that but you can't help it I know I know and you're like yeah it's yeah it's so hard but yeah well I'm glad um, she's um doing well now yeah well and so then since coming home so she ended up needing laser eye surgery um which when they had laser eye surgery they saw that she had cataracts yeah so she ended up getting her cataracts removed which is why she's got glasses um so she's got no lenses in her eye now um but interestingly enough I was doing a google search which I need to stop (laughs) um (laughs) but it said that long-term steroid use can cause cataracts right um and so I talked to her doctor about it so we're still even now we're still under her NICU doctor we haven't transferred to like a pediatrician or whatever yeah. um and I spoke to him about it and he was like oh we could probably do an ACC claim like you know just see how we go uh okay. so we did an ACC claim and they accepted it good um yeah which I don't really know what it means or anything like because Probably that'll just mean that they'll cover any future like treatments or something yeah yeah I don't yeah I don't don't know but yeah so that's really positive um and then she has never passed a hearing test um so when we were in hospital because she was constantly oxygen and a feeding tube uh they always said that those things can affect the testing yeah um so now we have to go back to starship uh, it's coming up actually on the 7th of November um, yeah. and they're going to knock her out and um, do a proper hearing test with her knocked out just to see and then if she needs grommets or anything they can do that um, so that will be though? like you don't think she's hearing impaired uh, her right no I don't think so um, but the yeah there's maybe in her left but yeah I re- I will be really surprised um but the good thing about this test is that it can all be done like accurately yeah. based on points or I don't know however they do it and so if there is any issues and she needs a hearing aid they can fit it specifically to what she needs rather than just kind of guessing yeah um, so yeah so that'll be really good but she um is terrible with anesthetic um so it just gives me the shit that we have to go because this will be her uh, probably seventh surgery I think we're up to yeah um so yeah we I just yeah has she had any bowel issues no no Yeah. yeah um no not at all which is what I was sort of like cautious about thinking that something might happen mm. um but no I remember like once they joined her back up together they were sort of expected her to do a poo after so many days and that never happened and never happened and never happened um and then I was driving home and I got a text from one of the nurses and it was a photo of this tiny little poo in a nappy <laughs> and I just cried the whole way home because she'd finally done a poo it's so weird eh like one of my twins has got like some constipation issues and like it's 
I'm like, why do I talk about poo so much? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I poo so exciting. Oh, I know. Yeah, yes. even um, oh, just over the school holidays, actually, she caught E. coli. I don't know where from. Um, and so she had like liquid diarrhea for like two weeks. Um, and it was just oh. yeah. But anyway, yeah. she's yeah. She seems to have um, done well. Yeah. And she's nearly two. Yes, yeah, big two, which is crazy because my boys were like full term whoppers. And so like yeah. at two, like they would have been in size three, if not four. Um yeah. whereas yeah, she's coming up two and she is in size zero at the moment. <laughs> Even Angus is 15 months and he's in like size one, sometimes two, depending on what it is. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's quite funny. I actually just read a post last night on the NICU page um, from a mum and I can't remember actually what she was saying, but the start of it was that baby is four and tiny and the comments that people make. Mm. And uh, yeah, it just like, yeah, blows my mind because I always thought that people commented when you had big kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the amount of comments that I've had around like Paige and her size, and I'm like, well, like why, why not say like, oh, she's got pretty glasses, or oh, her yeah. hair's nice, or you know, yeah. like why is it, oh, she's tiny, like no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think I haven't noticed this? Like, yeah. You want to hear the whole story, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you got two hours? Because we can have a chat. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just yeah, just the comments. Eh? it's like, oh yeah, okay. And to her brothers, her brothers love her. Yeah, yeah. So initially when we came home, because she was on so much, they were really standoffish. Like I didn't really notice it. Um, But yeah, and then she only came off oxygen. Uh, She came off day oxygen, must have been like um, December. I spent like December, January 22, but then she was still on um, the Evo at night time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, once she came off day oxygen, they started to be a bit more involved. Yeah. Um, and then she, August this year, we finally got rid of the feeding tube. Yeah. Um, which was quite crazy because she was still having like 500 and something mils of milk through her feeding tube um and like throughout Paige's journey every single thing has been on her own terms Mm -hmm. like you yeah just yeah everything is her terms when she's ready when she wants to Mm. um and so we decided we had a zoom with her uh, NICU doctor um, her dietitian and SLT mm-hmm. um, and the NICU doctor and I we were both really keen just to pull the tube and see how she goes um, and the dietitian and SLT were a bit more cautious mm-hmm. um, but yeah so I think it was like the 15th of August 16th of August this year um, we pulled her tube um, and yeah so she went from having like 500 odd mils of milk to only being allowed water because the SLT hasn't cleared her to drink milk um so yeah that was crazy and she lost a little bit of weight but nothing major um but yeah and since then she's been doing really well so since again the tubes come out the boys again have kind of stepped up that next level um 
and then over the school holidays just been she was taking a couple of steps before the school holidays um and then I think probably just during the school holidays being around the boys she started walking um and yeah again like just on her own terms um like the her NICU doctor and her um development therapist all kind of said like she won't walk until she's like two maybe even later um but yeah no she's showing them but what would she be corrected what age would she be corrected she'd be like 18 months or something wouldn't she uh yeah I'm terrible at math yeah pretty pretty average for walking yeah and I used to get really worked up about things because because she was under a development therapist it was always like oh she's delayed she's you know she's not doing this she's not doing that she's not doing all these things and I'm like hang on a minute she's 20 born at 23 weeks she's alive like let's just go with that like what does it matter if she's not doing this that or the other like you know the that point- as well because like there's such a, a broad spectrum of when they should be doing yes. things as full-term yes. babies maybe yeah. she was going to be on the later end of the spectrum anyway regardless of her prematurity the boys like they were born full term and Blake wasn't walking at one and Lachlan started walking at one because he just wanted to be with his brother but you know there was no one on my case saying oh Blake should be walking by now like yeah yeah. but yeah so yeah we'll just we'll just see I'm just like whatever like like literally she is so determined Mm. that she'll just do it when she wants and that's that's fine we'll be ready and waiting <laughs> amazing well yeah like I say I'm so glad that everything I don't want to say worked out but it's been positive yes. for you and I, I really yeah. Like, yeah yeah talking on the phone <laughs> yeah no and I just um yeah like I just want to thank you for all your time and everything yeah. that you're doing with this podcast like I remember when we transferred to Auckland and so I was driving up there every day and as I said it would take about an hour and a half on a good day and I found an Australian podcast of um stories and so I used to listen to that and it really helped me in that time feel not alone, hear other people's experiences, know what they were going through and so I just think like for us now to have this available through you um and like I listen to all your podcasts and I just sit there just nodding along at everything that you know they're saying and yeah so thank you like I'm it's even for me now that I'm out of it um it's so helpful and I just can't imagine how helpful how much more helpful it will be for people that are going through this right now so so that was Erin's story what an absolute superstar um yeah love how much she advocated for herself and for for Paige and for their family and yeah what a what an absolute super mum honestly I cannot even imagine 199 days when you've got two kids at home incredible um and then obviously everything Paige came home with as well all of her all of her equipment's a lot to juggle but Erin was amazing to talk to she had quite a positive outlook you know she was um yeah I just I really enjoyed that and I hope you guys enjoyed it too um and yeah we will chat again soon bye